All right, welcome to Tokyo Speaks. I'm your host, Cliff. And if you're new to the podcast, Tokyo Speaks is an inclusive podcast featuring a diverse and inspiring international community here in Tokyo. Uh, my guest co-host for today, uh, I'll have her introduce herself. Okay, fine. I'll go first. <laughs> um, it's Shalise again. Some of you may know me as Aphrodite for some music that I have on Spotify, etc., etc. But yeah, I'm here to speak about uh, being a woman. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yes. Yeah. That's why I brought Shalise on. Oh, What's going on with you? Um, quite a lot is happening, actually. I have I had two singles come out, one in April called Barefoot. That was on Spotify. And then I had another one on a, uh, May 20th that came out. It was called Feel the Love. And this month, a song's coming out called Rainbow Villains. And that's a very good one. I think it's quite an inspirational kind of song that relates to the uh, atmosphere that we're kind of dealing with right now around the world. So, Looking forward to yeah. it. You know, I, I love your music. I have some of your songs. You said... Rainbow Villains. Rainbow Villains. Rainbow Villains. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and Shalise has been a guest how many times on the podcast? This is like your third time, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, but it's your first time as a guest host, so. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's community here at Tokyo Speaks, so. All right, moving on, our featured guest, I will let her introduce herself now. Marina Yoshimura, and I'm the president of Period at Tokyo, Japan. I started this movement with a team of amazing women um, in 2019, and specifically in November 2019. And since then, we've been continuing our activism with uh, addressing period poverty and raising awareness of periods to the Tokyo community and beyond. Awesome. Yeah, so we're talking about periods. Bet you didn't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> At least not for me anyway, right? You know, um, But yeah, I, I felt it was an interesting topic, an important topic. And, and I'm all about discussing things that might not be like, you know, I might not be comfortable talking about or knowledgeable talking about. But, you know, I try to do a little homework and bring people on to um, discuss it. So, yeah. You said 2019 you started? Yes, it was last year, 2019. Why did you start this? Or, you know, well, in What inspired this? Yeah, so in 2019, October 2019, the Japanese government raised the consumption tax rate from 8% to 10%. And some things were exempt from the regular or from the regular tax rate for from the increase. So things like uh, food deliveries, takeouts, um, certain groceries, they were exempt. And so they stayed at 8%, whereas period products were raised to, to 10%. And so a lot of us had to pay for period products. Um, I mean, we've always had to pay for period products, but we had to pay an extra. And since then, you know, we've been, the period team has tried to sort of address this issue. And we thought, well, what do we do? And we actually 
found this organization called the Period Movement, which started in Portland, yes. Oregon in 2014. Then two high school students, Nadia Okamoto and Vincent Forand, started this organization to raise awareness of period poverty and to address that as well. And we thought this is a movement that should be in Japan as well. And we were wondering why this didn't exist. And we thought, well, this would be relevant and, and timely, especially given the consumption tax rate increase. Yeah, and even in uh, stateside, uh, according to one article I read, they said something like 37 states, you have to pay a consumption tax for uh, menstrual products. So Yes, over so 30 for sure. Yeah. I, I guess the real question is, why are they even like on the consumption tax list? Like There are some things that aren't on it, right? Right. Such as, uh, what is it? Um, in the United States or in yeah, Japan? Yeah, in the United States. In the United States. Um, what was, it was for men, like there was... Well, yeah, basically the point is, I was wondering why is it even on the uh, consumption tax list? So um, right. do, do you have any insight on that? So I don't have a clear answer. It's <laughs> something that the period team has been struggling to sort of understand, and okay. that's exactly why we're addressing it. But it could be that, um, well, the answer is probably the patriarchal governance. We don't see it as a problem because we mm. see it as, I mean, there were a couple of people who came up to me like after a presentation and they, they said, well, Marina, you know, it's probably that other things are necessities too. And so it would be unfair to make period products the exception. Um, and so that's the kind of mentality that we have, that if we had to pay for other necessities and if we had to pay taxes on top of that, then why should period products specifically be exempt from the regular consumption tax rate? Yeah, I found it in my notes. It's said that uh, it was talking about how 37 states in the U.S. have a sales tax on menstrual products, while hair loss in erectile dysfunction medicine isn't taxed. So I was just like that's highly unfair, <laughs> right? Because your baldness has nothing to do with the fact that I'm dealing with something for how long since the age of twelve? Yeah, you know it should never. That's something that shouldn't fluctuate at all. There's not much. There's nothing we can do about it. It's not like you know. It's, it's not. It's not detrimental it's, to your health. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly why the patriarchal governance is an issue. And we're not trying to antagonize men. We just want to raise awareness of this broken system um, that prioritizes things that are, I mean, they're probably important. And I don't want to invalidate that. But at the same time, we also need to validate the fact that we have periods and that the, this is not something to stigmatize. This is a, something to celebrate because it's it's in many ways the origin of humanity exactly yeah exactly yeah just let's let's show some respect you know exactly. what i mean put some respect on that. <laughs> and that and that's what i'm doing right now I'm putting some respect on it thank you so yeah let's uh before we move forward with uh period talk talk a little bit about yourself uh where are you from and where you grow up and stuff like that i was born and raised in tokyo and i lived here for 14 years before moving to Massachusetts, and I spent my high school years there. So I was there for four years from 2010 to 2014. And then after that, I graduated from high school, and then I came back to Japan to take a gap year. And then I started college here, and I went back to the United States. This time I went back to New Haven, Connecticut. And then I spent about a year there, and then I came back to Japan. And so I've been going back and forth. And in Tokyo, I attended international schools, and so everybody was a minority there. And so that's how sort of that's how I sort of learned to to see the world. And then I went to the United States and I became a minority there and I felt that. And then I, 
it was an all girls school mm, okay. and it opened me up to new possibilities, new opportunities. It was wonderful because girls empowerment was a huge theme of our of our high school and um so I, I learned to speak up. I learned to take ownership and responsibilities, and and uh, it was definitely an inspiring learning experience for me. It was intense, but it was a wonderful learning experience for me. And then I came back to Japan, and I started liberal arts education here. And so I've been going back and forth, trying different things, and I don't feel like I'm in one place at all. It's like a mix of different worlds but both worlds yes you know, experiences yes exactly so i tend to focus more on ideas than on people and there are both positives and negatives to that but the reason that i brought the period movement was because i was that i wanted to sort of pursue this idea of, of period empowerment and period education and so it was that idea so i i do understand that there's still a lot of stigma in japan that some japanese people are uncomfortable with this topic but instead of focusing on that, I focused on the idea, and that's how I operate. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, awesome, awesome. You know, I, on the way over here, I was thinking, is it really that much different in the States, like the stigma and just like, um, I guess, the, you know, yeah, just the stigma. Is it is it the same, more or less, in, in the States? That's a great question. So when I was in the United States, when I was in Massachusetts, I was at an all-girls school, um, and because it was a boarding school, everybody seemed to sort of know each other's period cycles, and oh, it was okay. it was interesting because when someone got their period, or you know, if someone got her period, mm -hmm. two days later someone else would get her period, and we knew that there was a pattern, um, and so we were aware of that, and we didn't stigmatize that at all. I don't know what it would have been like had I attended. Or, well, I, I could definitely chime in on that one. Um, yeah, I went to a um, a high school in, uh, it's called Eagles Landing High in Georgia in Henry County. And, um, you know, like when women, when we started getting our periods, it was something that we kind of hid. And it was something that, it, I got mine in middle school, obviously. Um, so it was Eagles Landing Middle, not Eagles Landing High, excuse me for saying. Um, so when everyone started getting their periods, we were all a little bit confused because we didn't really, I personally didn't know what had just happened. I was like, what's wrong? I thought like I shit my pants or something <laughs> <laughs> like as in, yeah. I did. Cause it's not something we talked about except for in sex ed education class. And from what I understood, it was supposed to be a particular color and mine wasn't. So I thought that there was something wrong, you know, but that I learned that that was just a lighter day kind of it's the color changes as you go as you go through the cycle, the, the color of it will change. And that's not something that I knew and it wasn't very. So I thought there was something wrong with me and I tried to hide it in my room and my mom was like, Shalise, do you want to tell me something? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, you sure? I was like, mm mm. It's like, what happened to your pants? And I was like, I don't know. He's <laughs> just like, honey, that's your period. And I was like, oh, okay. And how, how old were you? I was 12. Oh, okay. I was 12 years old. It was seventh grade. I remember going to the bathroom, going in the stall and being like, what is that? And yeah. I didn't have a spare change of pants. 
So I was just like hiding it the whole day and I didn't know, you know, like I thought I felt really gross and it was kind of a scary experience because I didn't know what had happened, you know. And so when I finally got home, you know, I changed and everything. And, you know, like the thing is, is that men or boys would tease you and stuff like this and women like there was all of this kind of stigma like like if your period started, you were smelly and like these sorts of things, you know, and it was really, really scary in that sense because like, you know, accidents happened at school and some girls were using tampons and some of them were using pads. And I didn't, I wanted to use a tampon because I wanted to be like, you know, a big girl basically. But it was because I was a virgin. That was like a scary thing. I was like, it's like a penis. No. (laughs) (laughs) So I stuck with pads because I was like, you know, that's, that was my experience of um, of dealing with it in school. So it wasn't much empowerment involved. It was just kind of like it happened and it's going to happen again. And you just have to deal with it and make sure you're prepared. Like, um, And, you know, it's in it, when going into high school, I wasn't. And this is it's funny because I feel like race was involved somehow. Like my teacher turned out to be quite racist my algebra teacher uh I remember having an accident in class once and I kept trying to tell her I need to go to the bathroom and she wouldn't let me go and I was like I really have to go to the bathroom because I knew I was like Mm. leaking and I was like I really have to go because I have to change my pants and then finally class was over and I and I, I asked my best friend behind me I was like do you see anything on my pants she was like yeah I was like, oh, no. And I had to tie my jacket around, go to the office, you know, during cafe, like the entire lunch. Lunch was happening and the 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 office for calling parents or whatever was by the cafeteria. So I had to walk past everybody and like I had to hide it. You know, my dad had to get off of work to bring me a change of pants and underpants. And it was just traumatizing because it's not like they had spare products at school it's not like they had extra underpants or any of these things so it was just kind of really um embarrassing you know and that teacher ended up getting fired later um because my mom made a complaint she Mm. didn't get fired that year but it turned out that she had actually been quite uh kind of racist towards a lot of children it wasn't just me and um yeah, so anyways, like that was my experience in in school when it came to periods and it was it was a little traumatizing at times because it just made me really nervous about ever leaking. Yes. You know, I was like I'm absolutely paranoid about it, you know, even to this day. I'm like what's that? <laughs> is it is it okay? Yeah. And I'm always like checking my butt like, you know, or checking the seat to make sure there's nothing on there. These sorts of things, it's like it causes quite a deal, a great deal of paranoia yeah. because there wasn't a positive kind of, um, I didn't get a positive relationship with my period in the beginning. So it kind of, you know, manifested like that as I got, as I got older, it, it continued to be something that I resented every month and got gotcha. nervous about, you know. How about you, Marina, your first experience? My first experience, I actually don't remember my oh. first experience. Okay. It just happened, and um, I, I think I think it was it was very underwhelming. Okay. So it's not like one of those big stories where people are like, oh, my gosh, this is my first period. I think it just happened, and I think I was pretty um, apathetic about that. Okay. So <laughs> I think it was only after that that I started to experience 
a lot of stigma and shame because my mother, I remember, had told me that she um, that her experience with periods was quite was quite a shock that she thought she was going to die. And 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 that's when she realized that periods are real. And and um, her grand or not her grandmother, but her mother and my grandmother had, you know, later on sort of explained the whole process of periods and then they ended up celebrating. And so it turned out to be a positive experience for my mother. But at first she was shocked and that's what she had told me. Um, and so I think when I heard that story, I thought, oh, wow, so this is what periods are going to be about. You know, it's going to be about stigma and shock and surprise. And so when I ended up getting mine, I, I don't actually remember the exact sort of situation. I think it just happened. Um, and I wasn't shocked about it because I had heard my mother's story with her with her periods and um but later on I ended up experiencing quite a few sort of traumatic incidents um there was one time when I was out on a field trip with friends and oh that's the worst yes exactly (laughs) yeah already already right yeah it was um well I had these period products in my bag and for some reason, I had just stuffed them directly into my bag instead of putting them into an ice pouch or anything like that. And then next to that, I had um, tissue boxes or not tissue boxes, those tissue packets that we see in Tokyo, those uh, mm-hmm. portable ones. And one of my friends wanted to blow his nose. And so he asked <laughs> if there was any tissue paper around. And I said, oh, yeah, you can just open my bag. I have some. But he instead, he took out my pots and he started showing it around and yeah that little shit did you punch (laughs) him in the face i didn't i just froze because i was so nervous and then the the teacher was was a guy and and Mm. he started you know saying no just don't just don't talk about it don't do that to her and he was trying to help me but at that point i already had the sense of shame and mm. I was nervous and I was paranoid. And so I think I was quiet for the rest of the day. And, and it's not something that I was proud of. I didn't just say, oh, yeah, I'm on my period or anything like that. I just I stayed silent. And in retrospect, I think I should have spoken out and spoken out and just said, look, this is the reality and this is what I go through. I'm proud you should have it. stuck it on his face. Just stuck the open the pad up and just stuck it on his face. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, how do you feel now?" <laughs> There's a video on IG. I think I saw somewhere. This girl pranks her boyfriend, and I know some fake blood or whatever. <laughs> like she, like they're hilarious. in the bed, and she gets up and like kind of I guess uh, steps over him, and then whoosh, like all on his face. And he's like. He he got so pissed. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, but you know, talking about the stigma, um, there's a documentary. Uh, forgetting the title right now. I think it won an award. Period. End of sentence. Yes. yes. Period. End of sentence. Thank yes. you. I watched that on YouTube. Oh, um, I should watch it. Yeah, you should check that out. And it's it's really enlightening. Talking about the shame, right? You know, just like women in India, first of all, they, they a lot of them don't have the access to, to period products, right? But they talked about um, how even when women when women are on their period, they are not allowed to go into sacred places. Yeah, and that rings true for like synagogue, not synagogues. Uh, like it's the same for the Islamic community oh, as well. Yeah. Like women, like even during Ramadan. Like, which is actually a good thing that they're allowed to eat during their period because they should. You can't just not eat. <laughs> right? I mean, like, shit. You, your, your body is going to be, is very, very weak during that period. So it's very important to eat. But yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and that stigma goes way back. I, I was I was reading something else who was talking about how talking about like tribal men were so scared of like periods they they believe like a single drop could kill them or some shit like that. Oh my god, I'd have a field day <laughs> with that. I'd be like <laughs> you know. Right. I was like, I've killed you. The gaze of a menstruating woman could mean death. According to this book I was reading. Well, it does mean death. <laughs> it does. I think that still reigns true. Because if you look at me any kind of wrong way during my period, I will kill you with my stare. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, talk you know, back to uh, Tokyo period. Talk about uh, some of the things you're doing locally to help educate people. We prioritize raising awareness and having discussions with people instead of trying to lecture people about periods because... Um, as Shalise said, there are so many different aspects of periods. I mean, there's that aspect of race, and then there's that aspect of, as you, as you said, um, Cliff, you, you talked about the the tribal men sort of stigmatizing women for it, and there's a sexist sort of layer to periods as well. So there's so many different challenges. And for us, it's important to sort of understand each context without making assumptions and, and to be culturally sensitive. And so we are careful to not lecture people about it but we do sort of share our thoughts on periods and how people operate when it comes to periods um, how cultures operate and we we try to understand that and sort of unpack that together so we go to schools we've gone to high school to talk about periods and period poverty and we had a discussion with the students there and then we also went to university to talk about periods um, and it was it was an interesting discussion um, at the university. We had this interesting discussion at the university because there were all these different stories and, and people were vulnerable and people were transparent about these experiences. So I think it, it's that that we're trying to get at, you know, not not the vulnerability necessarily, but trying to get to that point where we can have discussions and not feel bad about it or ashamed um, because that's it's not something to be ashamed of it's this something to embrace and that's what we're trying to empower other people to to realize and and to do um, and so for example you know conversations with families that can be really difficult to to start those can actually start this whole movement um, you know once we do sort of empower people we hopefully They'll be able to talk about periods with their families without feeling ashamed. That they can start talking about periods to with their families, friends, and and really their the wider community. It would be nice to to see men change their their uh, perspective on it and no longer see it as something really gross, you know. And it's it's not gross. It's it's something that women have to do every single month for for years, for decades. Mm. We have to deal with it. And it's in control of our ability to have children. It's in control of our ability to, you know, um, you know, like as we transition into menopause, et cetera, et cetera, like it changes our mental framework in such a real and massive way. And it's it's a blessing as well, just because we have that ability, you know, like the to to think in the way that we do i think uh the period has a lot to do with how how we manage stress how we deal with all kinds of things and um i think men should have way more respect for women because of it the fact that we're able to deal with that every single month you know for for decades and still go to work yeah. and still yes. you know yes. do the things that we're doing and still um you know go shopping you know 
help the kids, you know, do do whatever it is that we have to do. Um, I think that that's something that should be respected, and I wish more men would would start to see it in that way. The fact that being a woman is 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 a very difficult thing. I hope that there's a machine of some kind that would just give them menstrual cramps <laughs> so that they could just feel what that feels like and yeah. you wonder why your lady friend is, is about to kill you. Yeah. Like a, <laughs> she's like, if you say one more thing, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it starts with me. Like That's why I'm doing this episode. So um, I'm definitely... So thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm learning a lot and still learning. Like I said, I'm still, I'm like halfway through the book, but... Uh, I've learned a lot already. I was listening to you talk about like a recent project you did with uh, JAR. Yes. Yeah, t- talk about that a little bit. Yes. So Period at Tokyo saw the the consequences that a lot of minorities face in terms of periods. And on top of that, with the coronavirus, that adds another layer of challenges. And so we decided to launch this campaign called the Give Love Campaign to provide period products to refugees and asylum seekers in Japan. And we decided to donate uh, all the the donations to, to give the donations to the Japan Association for Refugees. Yeah, so that was one of our recent projects. And we're it's ongoing, so we're still asking for donations. And yeah. I'm familiar with uh, JAR or Japan. Was it Japan? Association, Association for Refugees. For refugees. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've donated to them clothes uh, several times. So I have so many clothes and everything and shoes. I will donate so many yeah. things to yeah. them if they need it. I'm yeah, like, yeah. You can mail you... it in or you can... I, I actually physically took them in. Where is times. where is it? Yeah. Uh, it's close to Sophia, right? I believe... I want to so. say, yeah. Well, I think I, they I moved. Believe. They moved? Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm not so sure... The last time I the last time I went over there, it would they were real close to Sophia University. If someone could send me the link, I'd I will gladly. I will give clothing donations as well as money for the <laughs> for the period campaign. Thank you for so sure. Much. Yeah, definitely. the Japan Association for Refugees is doing wonderful work, and so it's such an honor for us to be able to donate mm. uh, the money to them and, and to donate the period products to them. So uh, products, uh, like what do you ladies use? You know, tampons, pads, cups? Um, I use all three. Okay. Um, and that is because of, and I and I wonder, sometimes I wonder if this has to do with being a black woman or not, because this seems to be a problem for a lot of black women that we have very heavy periods. Yes, I've read about that. And, and period it, power, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 really, it's difficult because you're talking about a kind of heaviness where, I have to change a tampon every two hours. Wow. Every two hours I have to change. Um, What's the norm? The norm was supposed to be every four to five hours, maybe six hours. And and we're talking about super plus, like the biggest I can absolutely find here. And they don't even, in, in America they have one called Ultra. And it's like a tampon that's that is for women that have much heavier periods. So, a lot of times, like culture here in Japan, I assume that they have much lighter periods than than Black women do. And so, for two to three days, two and a half days, it's heavy to the point where I have to change every two to three hours, and uh, I get very tired, very tired. And it's not like I can say, "Can I have work off?" Even yeah. though I feel like I should, I should be like, I really just want to be home right now because it's too private of a thing 
Mm. I don't, and I'm like, people, it feels weird to be like going to the bathroom every like two hours or every hour just to make sure that, you know, nothing has happened. And I'm using the cup now as well. But even with that, it's every four hours that I have to change. And the whole process of changing this thing is absolutely horrendous. I hate it. Like, yeah. It's so dumb. I'm like, it's like I have to get in the shower, basically, oh, really? and handle it. Because it, I can't really... The one that I purchased, so there's different sizes. And this is where you end up learning that not all vaginas are the same size. Mm. And I didn't know that. So, like, <laughs> it's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, in order to check to see what size you need, you have to use your middle finger, put it up there. And if you can, if it hurts, then you need to get a certain size. That means that it should be a smaller size. I didn't feel anything. So, I found, <laughs> <laughs> I found out that, you know, it's anyway, a yeah. cave of wonders in there. <laughs> and so, like, finding the right size is, is kind of necessary for it and if you don't have the right size it can be really time consuming to sort it out so it takes 15 minutes for the most part for me to change that out wow and so when we're talking about me going joining back into the yeah so joining back into the workforce and then knowing i have to do that i can't use the cup do you get what i mean like it has to be it has to be uh way they're still working on it i know that they're still um improving the products and things but it's not even available in japan i have to buy it online and i'm like how come japan doesn't have these things yet like this is it's actually a very good thing i i like it but i because i don't have to worry about it but you have there's a matter of like is it in there right has it fit like is it all the way open if it's not open then you it's just it's it's a process and you have to the first few times you use it, you mess up quite a bit. And I'm glad that we were in quarantine when I decided to do this because I was able to do this at home and figure it out at home. So, yeah, I use that. And I use pads because pads are always my safe. It's just catch. It's just to catch anything that that might um, that might leak at any point in time. So pretty much for me, I have like a seven-day-long period And it starts off light. Day two is really heavy. Day three is super heavy. Day four, it lightens up. Five, nothing. Six, nothing. Seven, it's just some random shit. And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were done. (laughs) And she's like, no, I just had a little left. (laughs) And I'm like, you suck. You know. What about like uh, period panties? Period panties I haven't tried yet, but okay. I'm kind of scared to try them because of how heavy of a flow I have. Mm. I don't really trust it. Yeah. I need something way more secure than that. That scares me. I'm just like, well, where does it go? How does, wait, how does it work? Like, where does <laughs> it go? Is it period panties? I don't have to put nothing on. So am I like sitting in my, is it like a diaper feeling? Or, it's just, <laughs> it like yeah. freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. But I hear good things. I just like, I get a little, mm. I want security. Yeah, you exactly. know, like for me, it's all about security. Yeah, and like you said, everybody's situation is different. Yeah, a lot of people's more heavier than. Yeah. Um, what what you know, I've I've heard that there's a lack of variety here in Japan. Yeah. So there's what, what, only what does, one brand for tampons? <laughs> so Japan mainly carries tampons. Mm-mm. Oh no, no, not they they lack tampons, right? They Japan have, has a lot of pads. Pads. I think. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the options from what I hear, are limited. Um, Because I stick to pads, I don't see 
much of an issue personally, but I do think that there there is a problem because the owner of or I, I'm not so sure about the owner, but the the head of this one company that dominates period products mm-hmm. uh, is a man, is male. Ah. And so when you think about that, why don't we have women exactly. sort of taking the lead here? Because it's our bodies. And yeah, it's like he doesn't right. know anything about yeah, it. Exactly. Right. And uh, we contacted the company for information about period poverty so we could address it, but they had nothing to provide us. So we're doing our own research in that regard. And, and I think that really affects how we advocate for period products because yes on the one hand we do advocate for sustainable products but a lot of them can be expensive and so you know if we start advocating for these products and people can't afford them we don't want to feel we don't want to to shame them or sort of blame them for not buying sustainable products because the reality is period products are expensive right and, and if we add that sustainability aspect to it it's it even it's even more complicated like if exactly. you're in india with the diva cup it's not possible because you have to have clean running water. Yes. If you don't have access to clean running water, that that is actually going to cause a quite a probably a lot of infection and different things just because you have to boil the water and boil the cup in a pot of water after you've cleaned it with mm. using specific kinds of soaps like the maintenance of that um of that product although sustainable is not accessible to everyone. They can't they can't all not everyone has the access to that kind of of um you know water system like we do here in Japan and some first world countries so right i think we have to be a bit more lenient on the people who can't afford it and like just make sure that they have what they need and personally i don't see why all pads and tampons are not 100% cotton that's a great I point i don't understand why they're putting any sort of chemical or whatever yeah. they're doing on it period point blank this is something that's going in someone's body. It should be 100% organic cotton, all of them, yes. in my opinion. Right. And and that was one of the points uh, I was just about to bring up. And from what I was reading, that uh, that's why they were saying that um, cups were the uh, greener alternative, and um, because it's they're made of silicone. It's made of silicone, medical yeah. medical grade silicone. Yeah. So it's it's fine for your body because but, these are the things that you know you know, they tend to use in medicine and different things like that. So it doesn't affect your body in that way. So it's stay a safe product to use. But yeah. But it's the availability, I guess. Is the availability is zero. And the comfortability, I guess. <laughs> right. In Japan, if you walk into stores, I think it's hard to find period uh, products like menstrual cups and stuff. Uh, I would say pads are more accessible and tampons uh, somewhat, but menstrual cups, I've, I've never seen them. And I don't, and, and here's the thing. The thing is, for us, when we look at different countries and we try to make comparisons, we do find that the, the irony is that in some developing countries or in some countries that actually don't have the resources that a lot of other company, uh, countries like Japan or the G7 countries would have, when we look at that, it seems like the developing countries or the countries that we think are developing tend to have more sort of natural products or they tend to focus more on on how to provide sort of the basic necessities. And, right, and I like think Vietnam was like that. It's just simple Tampax and a pad. Like there was no variety. It was just Tampax, pads, and that's it. They were both the same, but continuously. In many ways, that's actually, I think, better yeah. because 
they know what's important. And, mm. you know, and when we start to lose that sort of sense of, I would say, priority, if that's the right word, then we start to make things with chemicals. And right. And they've got and... smells and things like that on them. And and exactly. it's not actually healthy to have pads that have smell on it, like a, like a scent or a fragrance and things like that. That's right. not healthy for a female body because it changes the pH balance of the female body. So, or of the, of the vagina, which can lead to all sorts of issues. Uh, for example, uh, you know, like it can dehydrate that cavity. It can also, uh, it could change the balance. And I have to use, I only use pH balance soap down there. Okay. And, and that's because it's very important to maintain that uh, pH balance. Because if you're using these sorts of products that have chemicals or what have you, there's all sorts of things that can possibly happen. Um that can affect your body long term. Yes. I feel um, that I'm not. I'm. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's for 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 um, if that's accurate or not. It's just in my personal opinion. I, don't I, I believe that it. that's yeah. mentioned in uh, Period Power. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Hi, I'm Nadia Okamoto, founder of Period, and you're tuned in to the most inclusive and inspiring podcast in Japan, Tokyo Speaks. So you, and you had a very horrific experience, right? Yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> um, so I discovered that I had a uterine fibroid a little, uh, like in January of 2019. And so um, when finding this out, it took a year before I could get it removed. And, and what is that? Uh, a uterine fibroid is like a non-cancerous growth in the uterus, and depending on where it is, uh, depends on how you are affected by it. And depending on the size, uh, it can also depend on how you're affected by it. So mine had grown to about the size of, um, I don't know how big, what is that, a ping pong ball? Mm. I want to say about the size of a ping pong ball. And uh, what that ended up happening, what ended up happening was every time my period came around, I it was like I almost bled out. Basically, it was a heavy period for four days. Every 30, 45 minutes, I had to change like it was and it was coming out like water almost. It's just I couldn't stop it. And it's sorry, I'm getting teary eyed because it's. Yeah, take your time. It just really scared me. And I remember those moments of just not knowing what was happening. Because I had been a very healthy person up until that point. And I remember trying to go. I was on my period and I was trying to go to, I was trying to go to meet up with a friend in Shibuya. And I got this debilitating cramp to the point I could not move. And they had to call an ambulance to come and get me because I couldn't even move. I was put on a stretcher and they took me to the hospital and they said, we didn't find anything. I said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, something is up. There's, yeah. This has never happened before. So I went to, I went to like the Red Cross uh, hospital to get mm-hmm. an ultrasound, an MRIs or something. I said, there is something up and I don't know what it is, but somebody needs to help me. And I went there, and they said, you have a uterine fibroid, and we recommend that you get surgery. And they were going to do it there, but 
um this was in tokyo right yeah this was in tokyo but i was i spoke to some friends of mine and some co-workers of mine who recommended that i go to the aiku hospital because they were very good with handling these sorts of cases and they spoke english so that was the real the real issue was the fact that the doctors the doctors that i met before and didn't speak english it was very difficult for me to communicate what was going on and um so i i met with this doctor and they did an ultrasound and everything, and we started to make a plan. And I had to take these pills um, called a, what was a GnRH sort of. Um, it's kind of like birth control, but not really. It just basically is a hormonal balancing uh, kind of medication that helps to balance out your hormones. And uh, <laughs> I took that for six months at first it started off with getting a shot that an injection that I was supposed to be getting and then one I missed one injection and it got worse like much worse to the point where this was like in September because I had gone home so I missed my shot Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to get I went home and I was supposed to get the shot on like August 16th and I got home a little later than that and so I ended up going to the hospital to get the second shot but this was after like like early september i had an experience where again like i basically bled out i had my uh my uh red blood cell count was very low the amount of iron i had in my body like you're supposed to have <laughs> you're supposed to have at least 11 units of iron or what have you in a sample of blood I had like two just two wow. which was extremely low extremely low so I had to get blood transfusion I was in hospital for five days and uh <laughs> and I said okay get this thing out of me <laughs> I was like when do we do that and so then I started on these pills that I had to take every day and it made me really agitated I was just angry all the time because it was messing with my hormones. So I would get, I was really short tempered. I was getting hot flashes. It was like having menopause basically to stop my period. And I didn't have a period for, for a few months. And, um, I just, it all stopped. And then I finally got my surgery and, um, wow. And that was all that, and was, that was done in here. December and you didn't have any, do you have any close friends, family members? It uh, was tough because they weren't available all the time. And when I was in hospital, the swim teacher came to see me. She was very kind to do that, but that was it. You know, and my friends try to help with with what they can, but they all have families and they have all these other things. So it started to kind of mess with me because I realized I wasn't a priority mm. in anyone's life here. So Yeah, that's that's horrible. So sorry to hear that. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm crying so much. <laughs> no worries. No worries. But yeah, I put that in the back of my mind somewhere. And I guess that's why I'm crying so much because I just kind of ignored. Yeah. All of it. It was pretty traumatic because it was like two times last year I felt I was very close to death. I really did. Because I had to crawl to the bathroom. Wow. Wow. I couldn't even walk. If I stood up for more than 30 seconds, I fell. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, th- thank you for sharing that because um, 
you know, when when you told me, when you mentioned it a while back, you didn't go into this much detail. No, and, I wasn't I, trying to. Yeah, and I, and I was just like, is, I was I was thinking, I was like, okay, she says she almost died. I was like, is that, is that just an exaggeration to describe the pain or was she like, but wow. I mean, now that I hear it, the details. Um, so. I, yeah, I took a cab. I was... I like I ordered Uber Eats. Thank God for Uber Eats. Oh my God, I love Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> I said I need meat, and so like I used to be a vegetarian before all of this. Like like back in 2018, when this happened, I was like, nope, I'm that that beef, that cow. I'm inhaling it. <laughs> I was just constantly yeah. eating meat. <laughs> I was like, fuck that chicken, fuck that cow. <laughs> like are you going in my body? <laughs> yeah. So like I ordered Uber Eats. Because I knew what was happening. I knew that my iron levels were really low mm. and that I was I didn't have enough nutrients in my body. And what's funny is when you're losing a lot of blood, you just stop being hungry. Like I wasn't hungry. I wasn't thirsty at all. And that's like that's how I knew that I was in trouble because I obviously needed food and water and I didn't want it. Didn't even want it. Yeah. But I forced myself. I said, you got to eat because you're in this on your own, Chalice. You have to do it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I ordered, like, some lamb or something. And I just <laughs> tried to eat as much as I possibly could and, like, some fruit because I learned about nutrition mm. and what is how you can um, how you can get iron into your body is you have to have meat and vitamin C. And that's how you're able to absorb um, the iron because if you have milk with it or anything like that it inhibits the amount of iron that you can absorb in the body so a lot of times when ha- when people have meat with cheese and etc stuff like stuff like that together you're not actually getting all the nutrients you need because the cheese is canceling out any iron that you're getting from from the meat so it's so important nutrition is super important in terms of balancing out the hormones um, balancing out like and like getting plenty of exercise like I've had to be so strict on my diet for the most part like I slip up and eat some pastas and eat all kinds of cheese and stuff sometimes <laughs> but for the most part you know I try to maintain a diet of mostly meat vegetables and fruit because I know all of those things my body will absorb it and I'll be able to and especially during that time of the month I eat like steak like give me the whole steak <laughs> That whole cow is mine, yeah. <laughs> like, or you know, lamb or whatever. Like I've been, and I've I've been feeling much more energetic because of it. I have way more balance. I have to take supplements, um, like um, I think it's called five H HTP five or something like this. It's a hormone balancing kind of vitamin that I take. I try to take it daily. Um, especially during that time, because the hormonal imbalance is the reason for fibroids kind of happening in the first place. So you have to keep you have to keep your hormones in check. Like that's the the balance of estrogen and progesterone in the body has to be balanced. And as you reach the ages over thirty, all of those things start to change in your body, mm-hmm. because your body's like if you haven't had a child yet, your body's pumping out extra stuff saying baby now (laughs) so and i've also heard some theories that from some people that if you have a child it kind of lessens your risk of of fibroids returning so that's weighing on me as well so it's like there's a lot of shit yeah (laughs) that i have to think about in order to stay healthy and it's almost it almost seems unfair 
because yeah. it's like I'm not trying to pressure anybody to have kids just because I don't want to have fibroids again. <laughs> like you know what I mean. So it just it just weighed on me a lot. Last year was a really tough year for me. Wow. So 2020 is like a piece of cake to me. I know that sounds weird, but like yeah, I'm not dead. <laughs> so. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. Well, like so. I said, thanks again for sharing that with yeah. us. Um, um <laughs> sorry yeah i wanted to ask you ladies what do you think societal wise what do you think you know and think about like schools think about work what do you think um would make things more convenient for women like when they have these um these accidents during that time of the month having free period products everywhere in bathroom in every so, bathroom every bathroom yes no matter and underpants yes like all sizes (laughs) yes to be accommodating and to not i mean if we sometimes when we walk into bathrooms we find vending machines and you have to pay for these period products but the fact that you have to pay for them to me is is quite questionable it's i mean why do you do that like why are you actually exploiting women's body i think that's For us, a a great concern because when we walk into the bathrooms, we want to feel safe. We don't want to feel like we're being violated or that being that we're sort of controlled by some sort of business incentive. Um, And so Mm. we do want to see more period products for free in these public spaces. Or even like, well, I'm glad that Japan has bidets because that makes the period experience way or the washlets. Okay. The washlets in the bathroom. I am so grateful to that. Like, especially during that time of the month, because it does, it doesn't, you don't feel clean, you know, when it's happening. So just the fact that you're able to rinse and wash everything off really just makes you feel a little, feel better and feel a little bit more fresh. And you're like, okay, now it's time to go. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, so. Right. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share with us about Tokyo period and... Yes. Well, Period at Tokyo stands with Black Lives Matter, and we want to emphasize that because we're still learning. We're not perfect, but we want to be as inclusive as possible. That's what we strive to do every day. And so while we are, of course, responsible for our own research and for us to it's important for us to to really learn and, and listen and read. We also welcome any feedback, not just today, but also any other day. If people find resources or information that they would like to share with us, we would love to to have that. We would have to we would love to see that information and to to discuss that as well. Because for us, periods and and as you said, Shalise, you know, periods do have that layer of sexism and racism, and we want to address that. So. Mm. Um, yeah, that's definitely something that we're working on. And so that's what we we promise to do. Awesome. That's awesome. That thank is you. really awesome. <laughs> um, where can people find you on social media? Yes, thank you for asking. So on Instagram, we are Tokyo Period. And if anyone has anything they'd like to share with us, please feel free to DM us on Instagram. Uh, we're also available on Gmail. We have our own every period chapter has its uh, gmail account and so ours is period.tokyo at gmail.com so if 
people could send us emails there. That yeah, Facebook too, right? We have we do have Facebook. Yes, we're okay. a lot more active on Instagram yes. to be honest, but Facebook, yes, we do have Tokyo Period on Facebook. Cool. This was wow, this was a really good one. Really good one. Thank you ladies for sharing all Thank of Thank you the, for the, for doing this. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem. Any last words, Shelley's? Uh no, I don't have any last words. I'm just um, grateful that this conversation can happen. And I think people should definitely, women, you should go get checked every, like every, I would say every six months, mm. you should you should get checked out. Because uh, fibroids, for example, urine fibroids are quite prominent in black women. But I, uh, I know that like in, it can happen in all women. And it's important to, Please go to the doctor and get yourself checked regularly just to make sure to get your pap smear done just to because if you catch it um, early, they can treat it much earlier and it's a lot lot less severe. Um, You don't have to deal with it nearly as much as I've had to um, because I waited too late to get a new pap smear. (laughs) I'll be honest, like Mm. I was slack because no one likes to go get that done. It's Mm. like a weird machine, clink, clink. It's disgusting. I hate it. (laughs) It freaks me out because I'm like, why are you down there? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, yeah, you should get you should get checked regularly. I recommend every six months just because the growth rate of a urine fibroid can increase quite exponentially uh, because it basically feeds off of blood. So when your period comes, it can it grows like a like a vampire or something. <laughs> I had a name for it. <laughs> it was like Balthazar. Wow, <laughs> Balthazar is dead now. Mm. So. <laughs> wow. Anyway, all right. So thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's it. Tune in to Tokyo Speaks uh, every... So I'm going to try to get back on a normal schedule now. Try my best. Um, hopefully we don't have a big second wave of COVID because that, that's really been preventing me from recording. Well, it's been so, warmer, so hopefully that helps Yeah, a little bit with it, you know, yeah. that it's getting hotter, so maybe we'll be okay for a little while. I hope. <laughs> yeah, tune in. Uh, we're everywhere. Um, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Just Google Tokyo Speaks. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you.